The Okie Geek Podcast is brought to you by Okie Comics, a bi-monthly anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Copies are available at Half Price Books, Edmund Unplugged, Loot and XP, Boarding House, Paseo Plunge, Museum of Osteology, Commonplace Books, as well as your favorite comic book store and nearest library. You can find out more locations and more information at okiecomics.com. Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 170 of the Okie Geek Podcast, brought to you by Okie Comics. I'm Michael Cross. Less than a year after Oklahomans voted to legalize medical marijuana, the Sooner State is getting a national convention on what else? Marijuana. The effort to get what was then State Question 788 on the ballot and get it passed was led by Oklahomans for Health. Here to talk about Canacon, which runs Thursday, April 18th and Friday, April 19th, is Oklahomans for Health co-founder Chip Paul. Chip, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. It's just a, it's a real pleasure to be here and really appreciate you having us on today. Oh, it's great. And, uh, you know, I, I voted for State Question 788, was very excited that that uh, passed. It was so funny because I lived in Denver for four years. And uh, was was uh, this is back in the early '90s when everyone was talking about relegalization of marijuana and was always there for for all the movements and everything there. And they got it, and I was like, "Well, when's it going to be Oklahoma's time?" And I thought we'd be like the 50th state. <laughs> you're in you're, like everything else. Yeah, you're not alone. I mean, most I think most people that I talk to, especially after we made the ballot, you know, were asking, you know, do you think it's really possible in Oklahoma? And I, you know, I always, but I had one brief moment of doubt on election <laughs> night, just one very brief moment But I've always, you know, believed that, that we could do this. But the cool thing about this is, is nobody really realizes this about what we've done here in Oklahoma. But this is the first time an activist written law, I mean, I physically wrote the law, right? <laughs> so an activist written law ha has really been fostered and made the ballot and actually been approved in kind of a we the people way, mm -hmm. right? So, so there's no big business behind what we've done. There's no special interest. You know, it's just us, right? It's a we the people yeah. thing. And it's never, ever happened this Which way. Which is part of the problem. I mean, everyone didn't think it could, could pass. I know you guys had trouble. You had two ballot measures trying to get signatures. Uh, one of them didn't get enough signatures. I mean, if you've got money behind it, if you've got big businesses behind it, they can go out and spend money to get this. You guys didn't have that ability. You had to go out on the streets and try and get signatures. Absolutely. So, you know, we spent, and we had to figure it out in 2014 when we, you know, first launched all this, and we were really the first group to ever do a petition in Oklahoma and all that. But when we f first launched it all, we thought we were going to go out and knock on people's doors. And we started, you know, we did that initially. We probably wasted, you know, three weeks trying to door knock. How many petitions do we have? Oh, about 2,000. Eh, I think we're a little behind. Right? <laughs> so it had changed strategies. But it, that was part of, you know, frankly, we've learned how to do this. Mm -hmm. And we have something that's kind of valuable to other states, you know, if they, you know, give us a ring or whatever. But it, we really have figured out how to create a grassroots movement, Good. how to petition a state, you know, and, and do it proper. So we have some, you know, interesting, I would say, intellectual property, so to speak, about how we did this. But it was, we definitely had to figure it out, and it was a learning experience. The other interesting thing is, you know, we spent, uh, I think, $40,000 in 2014. And in 2016, the petition that, that made the ballot, I think we spent like 30000 So we didn't even spend as much as we did in 2014. Wow. And then mm -hmm. our organization, other organizations spent money on the campaign, mm -hmm. but our organization spent about $15,000, right? 
So, so you think about we, we were outspent. They spent a million eight, I yeah. think. You know, and and we were opposed by every sitting political uh, cabinet member. Mm. We were opposed by every state medical system. So St. Francis and yeah. Tulsa, or, you know, Integris over here, right? We were opposed by the state medical association. We were opposed by doctors. We were opposed by lawyers. We were opposed by chamber of commerces. Yeah. And we still got 57% of the vote. So I think that really says a lot about Oklahomans. And I, and I think we're a pretty progressive and discerning lot. Uh, but I'm so proud of our state for just, you know, supporting this. And again, it's a chance to take our health back. And then and, and, and that's why it's so important. And again, we can geek out on yeah. the on the system, you know, that this affects. And again, that's something that I do every day. I'm a forensic researcher into something called that's the awesome. endocannabinoid system. So, yeah. Yeah, I want to get to that in just a moment. First off, what do you know about uh, this Canacon that's coming up? Uh, it's at the Cox Convention Center. Tell me more about that. So it is a, it's really our first uh, national, you know, cannabis marijuana convention here. In, in Oklahoma. So it's the first time really national eyes have, have come here. So there's a bunch of big national vendors coming, but it's very exciting. You know, it's a maturity, I would say, thing to, for our market and our market will mature. It, if you really think about the magnitude of what we've done, it's crazy, right? So, so we've plopped this now it's looking to be a $300 million oh, I know. <laughs> new market, you know? And so there's all kinds of things that come along with that. Like, and it's the funny thing, it doesn't have to be. And I think this is the thing where Oklahoma's for Health, I mean, Oklahoma's for Health can help, is it's been in most states an outside the Chamber of Commerce thing, mm-hmm. right? But it, it, because the cannabis industry just kind of builds its own and it kind of builds its own ecosystem. Well, that's kind of sad. I mean, it, there's a lot of traditional... But, how many print companies here, you know, would love to do printing for the cannabis? Right. It's $300 million, you know, it's, it's a lot of money, right? So there's a lot of bridging that we can do, I think, as Oklahomans for Health, um, between traditional businesses and kind of this new industry. And, you know, we can help businesses understand, you know, what's it like to employ a medical marijuana patient? Right. Well, I can tell you, I'm, I'm an employer and now I'm a medical marijuana patient, Right. So, so again, you know, how do we help businesses understand this new world? Maybe it's bringing in, you know, insurance people to talk about risk and what's happened in other states. But we really see our role kind of morphing into this education and kind of a facilitating helping role, but always the champion of the patient, right? So, so that's always what we're about, but not in a yelling, screaming, you know, fire In a a business type way. And anytime you you have any sector of the economy doing well, it's going to affect the rest of the economy. You're right. Uh, And certainly there are the sellers out there and the distributors, but then you've got other people who are going to be involved in in other things going on. So it's going, the idea is that it helps everybody, but it's got to be an an education experience for everyone to reach out and go, this is what you can do. Yep. You know, the old saying, you know, you probably had Chamber of Commerce people in here and they'll say, you know, every dollar that's spent in my city will turn over 12 times. Sure. Well, we got 300 million new dollars coming. So multiply that by 12 and just statewide. And, you know, that's the impact. It'll affect, you know, bakery owners and, you know, donut shop guys. And, you know, all these ancillary things will be affected. But it's, you know, as long as we sort of keep it properly regulated. And again, we have an open program, but the program is open purposefully. So we kind of had three major tenets, you know, in the medical marijuana program. So Mm -hmm. first is no medical conditions but high physician accountability. Right. So again, we're the only state where you can sue your doctor. Right? If you have a bad mm-hmm. outcome for medical marijuana here in Oklahoma, you can sue your doctor. You can't do that in California or any other state. Right. But that was purposeful 
to put pressure on the physicians to understand the endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they're going to write for it, they need to understand the system. So again, we wanted to create that situation where on the, they're on the hook and they're accountable. So we don't have medical conditions, which makes our program... And get, what I was going to say, that is, that's to avoid something like what we've got right now with the opioid crisis, where ex they're just throwing out prescriptions to any Tom, Dick, and Harry who walks in the door. Ex exactly, exactly. And it's also to increase education, because it, this system that marijuana affects, and medical marijuana affects, something called our endocannabinoid system, no doctor has learned about this in school, right? right? So it's that new, but, but there's all this tremendous research and it's looking to be, you know, it runs everything about us. It's our master regulatory system. So it's a very important system that they, it's more important than your central nervous system. It actually sits no. above your central nervous system and function and it completely manipulates your central nervous system. So it's, you know, every physician needs to understand about this. Well, they don't in California. Well, they've been writing for this for 10 years. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, because they're not on the hook, right? We have, they didn't create the legal situation where physicians were accountable. And that's what we did here in Oklahoma. So again, is that a risk for physicians? I don't think there's been a bad outcome with marijuana <laughs> since before the written word. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, exactly. so they're probably pretty safe. But again, we created the legal situation where they're on the hook. And again, we hope that that drives education. And we also have some studies coming out of Oklahoma then. If we've got people who are studying the system, which I think is very important, we've got some great healthcare systems in this in the state. Hopefully they'll buckle down and start putting out some papers that maybe you know California and Colorado are not following up on. Maybe Oklahoma can be the base for that. We're the only state that has a research license in our state law, and that's very purposeful. Mm -hmm. So it, again, we've tried to set with this, it's an activist law. We could put any, anything that we wanted in there as long as we got the you know signatures sure. and kind of got it passed. But it, we tried to set Oklahoma up, right, to lead in every yeah. way possible. So we can lead in laboratory testing. We can certainly lead with this law. We can lead with lack of medical conditions. We can lead with a good patient base that understands. One of the, one of the big fears that we had, um, you know, in doing all this was, oh, my gosh, what if we create this situation where, you know, there's all these 20-somethings, you know, with their medical cards, mm -hmm. right? That would kind of be the worst, you know, th is that good? Oh, yeah, you can argue that either way. But again, th that would fill the perception of what people think about this, right? right? And we didn't want that to happen. The cool thing is average average age of a medical patient, well over 40. Right. Well over 40. Be. Yeah, yeah. Because, because that's when you're needing it. That's yep. because of, of, of physical issues or, or mental issues. Um, yeah, it's, this is not designed for just a 20-year-old who just wants to go get high. Right, right. It's a, it's a you know, we are passionate about this. Uh, you know, my, when I say we, Oklahoma's for Health, my wife mm -hmm. and, you know, Shelly and the people that yeah. make up Oklahoma's for Health are passionate about this. Because it's a medicine, right? It, we're passionate about it from the medical perspective. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are for adult use. And, uh, you know, I'd probably vote for adult use. I don't know that I'd go out and work as hard as I did for medical because I'm a <laughs> medical patient. But I understand, you know, that drive. And, again, from a business perspective, it's, gosh, that's what you want, right? I mean, you want to sort of get your stake in the ground and establish yourself. And then, you know, when or if, you know, Oklahoma did go adult use, I mean, it's that's now you're 10xing, you know, everything yeah. that you've done. So business wise, it's what everybody kind of is looking to. And tax wise, I think we're, we're about, uh, oh. I think we're on track to getting a, uh, what is a million dollars in taxes before the end of this year? Uh, before, oh. the, before the full year of, the, of, of implementation, I think is what they're saying. Yeah, it's, so it's funny. It, it, again, uh, you know, this was, the law was purposefully written, whether people like to say that or not, but I really, lo I looked at New Mexico's market 
And we, we really thought, okay, what's it going to take to run, you know, a, a department at the state level, right? So state mm-hmm. health department, three and a half million dollars was our estimate. Guess what? It's about what it costs. Yeah. Um, you know, so what, what would we want to target beyond that? So, so if we had a, let's say we had a uh, 50,000 or, you know, 20,000 patient base and right. you look at $3,000 average patient spend. So if you're looking at a hundred million dollar market, well, a 7% tax would be about $7 million to the state. And so that's about the estimate was we thought we'd have a hundred million dollar market, a 7% tax the state uh, department agency that's running it, health department, would get half of that, three and a half million. The other three and a half would go, you know, 75% general education, 25% drug and alcohol rehab. So that was the way that it was sort of modeled statistically. Well, we've blown that up. I I mean, we're three times that. I was was supposed to be uh, $10 million for the, what is the unity bill that created the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority. They needed $10 million to fully implement everything. And they're already at like $19 million. I mean, it's it's ridiculous the amount of money that this has brought in. Yep. People are interested in this because they're seeing, and I was hoping when I saw it pass that maybe we could finally make a dent in the opioid crisis that yep. we're dealing with because people take opioids for pain. Well, there's an alternative out there. And finally, Oklahoma, one of... Uh, only, what is it? We're now 25, 26 states, something like that, that have medical marijuana. One Only one of only 25 states that has an alternative to the opioids. Right, right. And, and you know, it's interesting, it, and it's interesting that you bring that up. And mar- marijuana is a very good alternative, and there's lots of studies now coming out about that. Um, and again, it, what is addiction? Well, addiction is where you're giving your body a foreign substance, and it's plugging into a neuroreceptor, basically, in your body, and your body craves that interaction. Again, the endocannabinoid system sits above your central nervous system. So it's a great way, it's a great strategy to go at addiction type issues. Mm-hmm. But here's one of the interesting things, you know, you sort of, why do you take opiates? Well, you take opiates because you have pain. Well, think about this, and, and people don't really think about this, but this is really why marijuana is so important as a medicine and, and other natural products, frankly, are so important as medicines. So, so, you know, I go see you, Doc, you know, mm-hmm. Doc Mike, um, hey, I've got back pain. And, and mm-hmm. you, you go to your PDR and you say, okay, back pain, back pain, back pain. On the, I, I can prescribe to you, I'm going to try to help you, so I can prescribe to you along a spectrum, right? So on one hand, my most benign options are NSAIDs, right? So, so, so ibuprofen, Tylenol, right. you know, things like that. But I know you're in pain, so you're going to take them every day. And guess what? They wreck your stomach. They wreck your liver. Mm-hmm. So it's there's no, that, that's not a safe option, you know, to prescribe, right? And then you go all the way down the other side of the spectrum, you know, to really the high opiate, really hardcore pain. And again, that's not safe either. Right. So a physician, a pain management doctor, if he goes to the pharma world, he does not have one safe option. Yeah. Okay. Again, it's all, mar- it's all drugs, all ma- manufactured drugs. Yes, exactly. And, and we need to get away from that. We, you know, hopefully this will begin to break down that paradigm. Mm-hmm. But again, at least with marijuana, you can take your own health back. Now, if you begin to educate yourself beyond that as to kind of this endocannabinoid system, what it does, how it works, what manipulates it and how you can do that, then you're looking at diet. And that's where this is all headed. I mean, yeah. we are all so woefully, uh, frankly, malnourished, you yeah. know, as a population. And, and it, we just don't know what to eat or why to eat it. I mean, I, I think I know a little bit about that. <laughs> but again, we, we don't as a population yet. And that knowledge, you know, hasn't gotten into the general population. But it's yeah. beginning to. But the cool thing about that, 
first of all, your kids potentially could live twice as long as you. And yeah. I mean that in all frankness. Oh, yeah. And the second thing about it is we're all going to be a lot healthier. The third thing about it is we'll all have a great control over our health. Mm -hmm. So it might be cannabis or it might be some form of cannabis or it might be a natural product like turmeric or black pepper. Or, and all of these natural products, interestingly, modulate the endocannabinoid system in the same way that cannabis does. So the very reason why beets work or, you know, any of these foods that you see, super beets, and, you know, they're, right. kind, of a, they're kind of a piece of the solution but they work mm -hmm. because they modulate your endocannabinoid system. And again, anybody can look this up, NIH.gov, National Institute of Health, that's mm -hmm. our nation's clearinghouse for research, right? So NIH.gov, endocannabinoid, and really any medical condition, or if you want to do really have some fun, look at a plant that you think might be cool, look up the medicinal <laughs> flavonoid, and yeah. then go look at endocannabinoid and the flavonoid. And you'll probably find studies that say that that plant modulates the endocannabinoid system. Right, because it's, it's natural, and so it, it, it changes the body, but not in, in, in a way that it's not supposed to go. I think that's the, the problem that I think most people have with, with manufactured drugs is the fact that it changes your body in a way it's not supposed to go. Right. But a natural product actually changes the body in a way it's already supposed to go. It just tweaks it in the right direction. Right. That's exactly right. And it, you know, it, it, we think about drugs affecting us. It's, it's kind of with a natural product, it's like your body makes the decision whether you use the resource or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. know, so your body's kind of deciding, you know, rather than you forcing a decision, you know, on your body, but it, it it's interesting. It just real quick, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you my three points on the endocannabinoid system just to geek out yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But, but I think it'll, it'll help sort of this whole discussion that we're now having. So, you know, first of all, nobody knows about it, right? It's not taught in any major university. It, our company, New Pharma, our science advisor is a PhD PharmD at University of Mississippi. He taught the first endocannabinoid class at <laughs> literally the best place, place to study plants in the world last fall, right? So it's just, it's that new. Oh so nobody gosh, yeah, knows about new. it. Yeah. So no physician, you can't fault your doctor or your researcher, or, you know, it's, it's a weird world. Patients know more than doctors. People like me know more than PhDs. So it's kind of a, the cannabis is a, is a weird world, but again, that will write itself in the next couple mm -hmm. of years. Okay. But three points about the endocannabinoid system. So first of all, it's extraordinarily old. We developed it before we walked out of the ocean, before we breathed air, you know, before we developed gills even. We had a stomach, we had a mouth, and we had an endocannabinoid system in something called a sea squirt, all right? So it was a little, we were a little stick bug in the ocean. And interestingly, insects went one way and everything else went the other from right. a sea squirt. So evolutionarily, we share the endocannabinoid system with most life on the planet. Wow. So all mammals, reptiles, avians, fish, all have an endocannabinoid system. They've all dragged it up the evolutionary ladder since they were a little stick bug. Mm -hmm. Insects don't, that we diverge there, right? right? But the insects that bite us like a tick will have a rudimentary endocannabinoid system in their mouth where they interface with us. So it's right. really kind of interesting. But point one, really old, really ancient, really important because we've all dragged it up the if evolutionary it's, if ladder. If it stayed in the evolution, if it's usually if the body doesn't need it, it'll start getting rid it'll of it start, somewhere along the lines. Exactly. And it, we've stick bug land before yeah. we had a, before we had a nervous system even, you know, <laughs> so, so we were nothing, just this little bug. But second point about it is it's looking to be our master regulatory system. Mm -hmm. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you go to NIH.gov, again, National Institute of Health.gov, Nation's Clearinghouse for Research, endocannabinoid in anything, any body condition. Used to say, I'll give you a dollar if you can't get a study. I mean, endocannabinoid <laughs> toe fungus, you're going to return a study, probably, because there's 
hundreds of thousands of studies out sure. there. And everybody says there's no research. That's not true. It's again, if you look at just cannabis, well, you know, that's limited. But if you look at the system, oh my gosh, it's there's a plethora of research. Yeah. So as you read that research, it's very evident to, it doesn't really matter how you kind of slice and dice a human that the endocannabinoid regulates down silos. So it completely regulates our immune response. It completely regulates feeding and craving completely regulates cognitive, completely regulates skin response. Almost wow. every system in our body, you know, that's a little bit of a stretch to say it's our master regulatory. There's not the study there yet, mm -hmm. but I've had discussions with, and I'm very lucky, I get to talk to all these really cool Ethan mm -hmm. Russo, you know, all these major researchers, but all of them agree that it's our master regulatory system. So what does that mean? Well, that means we kind of work like a smart vehicle, okay? Right. So we all understand our car has a computer in it. That computer is always looking at every system in our vehicle and trying to balance it to perfect balance, perfect right. homeostasis, perfect functioning of our vehicle, oil pressure and tire pressure and everything, right? Trying to balance that vehicle, the perfect function, just to get the most out of the vehicle. Right. Well, our bodies work the same way. We have a hypothalamus and in some cases hippocampus, but our hypothalamus hippocampus uses the endocannabinoid system just like our vehicle does to manage all these different systems. So it might be indirect, like it can manage the pituitary to affect organs, or it might be direct action, right. but it manages every single system in our body. It's our master regulatory system. So that's point two, yeah. runs everything about us. Which is, which is one of the reasons why, why sometimes they say that, you know, like having a stomachache could be a sign of something else that's actually going on in your body. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, you know, anything that has to do with your gut is, is a major system, right? right? It's a major system because it's, that's just where we build our immune system mm -hmm. and there's so much that has to do with our gut. But anyway, it's absolutely endocannabinoid regulated. So point three about it, you'll love this one. And this is the really cool one, I think. And this is the future, right? Mm -hmm. so, so this is really the future of health, the future of diet, what cannabis tells us, where it's leading us, you know, this journey that we're on. But it's a, it, it, the endocannabinoid system is a natural resource-driven system, all right? So, so what does that mean? That's all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> well, it's a neurological system for the most part. It runs on chemical mediators, and it runs on chemical mediators like, you know, it doesn't really matter, PEA, OEA, anandamide, 2-AG. But let me take you over to another system that we all pretty well understand because there's been a lot of news about it, and that's dopamine and serotonin. Right. So they're similar neurological systems. Again, you have to have dopamine and serotonin to run these. If you don't have dopamine and serotonin, we're kind of end up like a depressed, you know, Parkinson's patient. Yeah. We can't generate mood and we can't generate thought. Well, where do dopamine and serotonin come from? You know, I, it's great. I ask this question in front of really smart people all the time and get these thousand yard stairs, which is funny, but it, they, they, they're stored in neurons. So, so again, you, but as soon as you have an event, they're depleted. So you don't have any dopamine and serotonin. Right. So your body has to rebuild them. All right. Where does it rebuild them from? Well, it rebuilds them from precursors. Where do those precursors come from? Well, from food that we eat. So real quick, in particular, L-tyrosine and L-tryptophan. So it's uh -huh. not really important, but point of the story is this. If I put you in a box and I said no L-tyrosine or L-tryptophan for you, you would very quickly become a depressed Parkinson's mm -hmm. patient. Right. If I gave you a tryptophan and tyrosine biscuit, within a, really a, probably hours, you would come back online. Yeah, it gives you, the, it gives you what you need. Because yeah. your body's building right. the dopamine and serotonin. It, our master regulatory system, the thing that runs everything about our body works the exact same way. Okay. So this is the really crazy thing is 
Let's say I was an evil scientist and I wanted to break your endocannabinoid system, what would happen? Well, it would, we'd look exactly like what we look like in society. So in particular, your immune system would break. That's our biggest system in our body. So what would that look like? That would look like issues of inflammation. What's the leading cause of death? Eight out of 10 deaths in the US are due to inflammation. Mm. We yeah. would have issues of pain. What's the leading physician complaint? It's Doc, yeah. I'm in pain. Yeah. You know, look at our feeding and craving, probably our second biggest system. Again, that's where we build this immune system in our gut. Um, diseases of feeding and craving, uh, you know, IBS, Crohn's, autoimmunes, diabetes, type 2. So I would argue heavily we're breaking in that system. Yeah. Obesity, you know, is a big – interestingly, we have – our problem is we have way too many endocannabinoids, believe it or not. We can't mediate them all. Right. So, so that's really the problem. But, but we're breaking in this system, okay? So as we begin to understand how this system works, and the cool thing about cannabis is it's like a, it's, it's a magic screwdriver. I say this mm -hmm. all the time, into the endocannabinoid system. So issues of pain, issues of inflammation, almost any regulatory issue down to the cellular could be addressed with cannabis once we understand it well right. enough. How it works, exactly. It, it, exactly. But the thing about cannabis is it, it, it doesn't last. It's, it's like a hormone therapy, mm -hmm. right? So it wears off. I mean, it's only going to work for four hours. Then you got to do it again. You know, so it's, 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 it's not the answer. It's a very, very good supplement. It's a very good way to manipulate the system. But it's not the answer. Right. The, the answer is diet, right? Mm -hmm. And in particular, interestingly, it, it's, it ends up being omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids and how we balance those in our diet. Now, there's a lot that has to do with plants, too, that we have to kind of put in there. But it's really kind of godly, almost, yeah. that our master regulatory system is precursored and fed by the only two things our bodies can't make. And that's oh, yeah. omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. So. Exactly. We've got to go get those. We've got to, it, yeah, we've got got to eat supplement those. Yeah. those. And, yep. and also, I mean, it, and, and marijuana also helps, uh, I know, with, with appetite for uh, people who are under, for example, uh, dealing with cancer, yeah. uh, dealing with uh, issues of health where they just don't want to eat. If you're uh, under chemotherapy, you don't want to eat. It's, it makes you sick. Yeah. And so we, I do know that marijuana helps you with that, with, with the appetite. It makes you no longer nauseous to where you could eat something and make yourself healthy because you're not going to get yourself healthy by not eating. Yep. Um, but you also don't want to force down food down someone who's nauseous already from chemotherapy. Yeah, there's, we've been talking about uh, marijuana helping chemo patients since I was like in the eighties. You know, interestingly, I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a geek, right? I really yeah. am. I'm a forensic <laughs> researcher in the Okay, so I read studies all the time, but I just read a study about uh, how they're ta they're combining chemo with CBD therapies and getting a 25% increase in effectiveness. Oh my gosh! So as we begin to really understand this, you know, in in, in again, th absolutely, the answer to cancer is in the endocannabinoid system. It uh, cancers do exactly what you do if you have a bruise. If you have a bruise, your cells will overexpress your internal CBD, believe it or not, right. something called 2-AG. So they just ooze this stuff, and it basically tells your immune system, leave me alone. Cancers do the same thing. So again, you have to fight through endocannabinoid signaling to be able to even affect that cell. To get that cell to die, you've got to fight through all this endocannabinoid signaling. And, and the best way to do that is with endocannabinoid signaling. Right. You just got to use the other side of it. So CB1, if you've heard of the CB1 neuroreceptor, 
Every cell in your body, this is really cool, no other system works like this. Every cell in your body will express a CB1 neuroreceptor when it's stimulated with your internal ligand for it, anandamide. So the endocannabinoid can touch every cell in your body, right? Yeah. But, but that's how cancers get fixed, is you get a CB1 to express, and then you go lock and key him, and that tells the cell to die. Yeah. And that's the, that every cancer strategy is somehow related to basically that higher level understanding. So. That's amazing. And the CBD, of course, is, uh, I remember when the state law was, uh, lawmakers allowed this to be, uh, to go through a couple of years ago. And of course, since then, CBD uh, places have, have popped oh. up all over the place. I've uh, had a lot of people who say, you know, it, it helps with, with whatever it is they need. And, and uh, some people are saying now that we've got medical marijuana, that's helping out. I know some people who are, they're getting better yeah. um, out there. And you're, you're right. I think it's, it's in, in, in increasing the education of people um, of what, what, not only medical marijuana, but what cannabis in overall can do for the human body. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, eating and kind of, you know, obesity and then chemo and things like that. It, it, in the education comes in and that again, I can give you a strain of cannabis that's going to make you really hungry. I can give you a strain of cannabis that'll make you not want to eat. Wow. And that's playing with your endocannabinoid mm-hmm. system. Because again, the way that you feed and crave, the way that we understand that we need to eat and the way that we understand that we're full yeah. is all endocannabinoid stuff, right? Uh, real quick, I'll walk you through this. Again, yeah. it, hypothalamus it literally watches every cell in your body. Do you mm-hmm. need anything? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? And he's building basically these, you know, a lake level or whatever, say any point. Right. In the hypothalamus with endocannabinoids. Once you hit that say any point, your hypothalamus knows, oh, I got to go get food. Your hypothalamus cues your pituitary through the endocannabinoid system to release a hormone called ghrelin. Ghrelin's what gives us stomach pains. That's what causes us to feel hungry. As we eat, again, you have more CB1 neuroreceptors in your stomach through a vagal afferent nerve that runs through your hypothalamus than anywhere else in your body, even more than your brain. So, but as we eat, all, all these little guys are looking at the nutrient levels and feeding that back through the endocannabinoid system, through our hypothalamus. Mm-hmm. When he knows he's gotten all his cellular need met, he releases, an, cues the pituitary, release another hormone, leptin, releases leptin. Leptin's what makes us feel full. So again, you can get in the middle of that entire system when you begin to understand how the endocannabinoid system works. And, you know, cannabis is a way to attenuate it. Regrettably, and this is kind of frustrating being kind of a, you know, we've developed product and I do this all the time, right? It's, you know, give me a good liver cleanse, right? So we can do that with endocannabinoid eyes with herbs and cannabis. The interesting thing about cannabis is it wants to affect us at a macro level, right? So, so it affects us at our whole body. I mean, we feel mm-hmm. it, you know, in our brain as a, as a kind of a, you know, get high or whatever. Right. But it's affecting every CB1, CB2 neuroreceptor all through our body, right? So it's attenuating all these systems. It's kind of upregulating the whole system. Herbs natural products, again, resources for the endocannabinoid system, they come from a lot of different ways. You know, your dog needs them. They they don't smoke cannabis, right? (laughs) So herbs and plants like to go at more specific organs. So I always use the example of milk thistle because everybody kind of knows milk thistle is kind of a liver herb. But again, you put milk thistle with cannabis, guess what? I mean, it drives those properties and synergizes in that organ set. So again, as we really begin to understand this, it's upside stupid i mean yeah it's, yeah it's amazing yeah and then we, we could be educating ourselves on this and I, i'm guessing that's basically kind of what we're looking for with it with canacon is is it going to be just a, a bunch of like-minded people 
sharing information and, and also product. Well, it's so this is, uh, you know, just like any other trade show. I mean, mm -hmm. just as if we were in the oil and gas industry. So so this is a B2B trade show. So it's business to business. So you'll have a lot of uh, vendors at this trade show who want to sell to commercial cannabis operators. So you might have literally packaging companies, mm -hmm. you know, you might have uh, paper label companies, printing companies, you might have uh, light companies, uh, you know, companies that outfit big warehouses, uh, companies like ours that do product development with the endocannabinoid system. So you're going to have all these different uh, companies out there that want to kind of target the cannabis marketplace, cannabis commercial license holders. And then the main attendees of this show will be Oklahoma commercial license holders, so the, for the most part. So it's really kind of a business-to-business -business show, but it's a maturity in our market, you know, that's really kind of the first thing, that the time that this has happened. We've had a lot of business-to-consumer shows where you've got growers or dispensaries kind of marketing to, you know, patients, so to speak. So. Right. And this is, uh, this is, they're coming from, uh, you, you mentioned but all over the nation. Uh, I saw some from Colorado, from California, and these are states that have spent years now uh, perfecting this new form of, of business, this new uh, form of industry, so that now Oklahomans, Oklahomans who are in the business of it can learn from them. Right, right, exactly. And, and it, you know, there's, uh, you know, point of sale vendors, right, who, who understand our regulatory, you know, they've taken the time to understand all our laws, and they've put in that intelligence into their point of sale system, where, you know, you can do your reporting and track things. And, and you know, it'll merge with like our seed to sale system that we'll right. eventually have to have in August. So, so, you know, these vendors have already done this in all these other states, and we're kind of following we're doing things definitely unique in Oklahoma, very unique, but we're definitely following kind of a known rollout pattern, known issues and things like that. So they're, you know, these guys know how to solve these problems and heck, let's bring them in, you know, because again, these are new dollars. These are new dollars coming into the state, you know, to some degree with industry, but they're, you know, kind of Oklahoma dollars that are being spent and recirculated. <coughs> Sorry. That's okay. And we, and we want uh, people to know that this isn't, uh, th th these are business. These are professionals. Uh, this isn't Jeff Spicoli on the street, uh, you know, selling a joint. These are <laughs> businesses that actually know what they're doing. And, and we want to show that also not only to our citizens, but to maybe some of our lawmakers and some of our chambers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and lawmakers in particular, you know, we had a we had a conference here and I won't name which one it was, but maybe three months ago. And uh, we were up at the Capitol doing some lobbying and they mentioned that at this conference, and I spoke at this conference, so I was there, and, and it there was one child in this conference, and it was somebody's daughter, and she came in and got her face painted. Guess what was on the front page of the paper? Oh, was God, this yeah. child with a big, you know, marijuana leaf, you know, being painted at this cannabis festival, right? <laughs> so, you know, there's a, st we still have these people uh -huh. that are trying to demonize our industry, but for the most part, it's a professional, you know, very well-established endeavor. It's a little bit outside of traditional chamber of commerce, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, and again, it, we don't necessarily want it to be. I, it was funny. I was, uh, Cindy and I, my wife and I, went to the chamber, Oklahoma City Chamber of Commerce uh, conflagration when they had their big kind of no, you know, event. And this mm -hmm. was before the election. So they were 
had speakers and everything, you know, to, just, to convince everybody to vote no on the law. And we just kind of sat in the back of the room and were quiet. And so I didn't get my head rammed through the door in that one. But, um, but we just sat, you know, we were just. Uh, <laughs> was, say, was it that one? Oh, no, that <laughs> yeah, one no, no, that was, that was another <laughs> county. <laughs> yep, yep. Incidentally, we now have more medical patients than we have in all of Rogers County. So I, I, I take great pride in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, yeah. So there you go. Um, but anyway, so we sat in the back of the room. Um, and listen to, you know, these speakers kind of talk. I forgot where I was going with all that. Well, it was the, the, the demonization of our, oh. of our, of our, of the industry. Yep. And I, well, here's the thing is anyone who knows history or knows it correctly. Um, marijuana. Well, first off, it's called marijuana because that was part of the demonization of it back in the twenties and thirties yep. when alcohol was beginning back out and they wanted to make sure alcohol, people were doing alcohol and not cannabis or hemp. They wanted to demonize it. So they called it marijuana, which is basically then they, they tied it into the Hispanic community, the Mexicans. Yep. They said, it's, it's, it's just that horrible marijuana. Watch Free for Madness. It's hilarious. Um, and that's so that's the problem is you are dealing with almost 100 years yep. of attacks against marijuana. You, you know, the cool thing, though, and, and it, this occurred to me just in the course of the election. And because I was a no 10 years ago, I would have voted no on this. No. Nope, nope, nope. You just want to smoke weed, right? So, right. so I didn't, I hadn't gotten to where I got to. I hadn't researched the system. So I would have voted no. Um, but I think most of the people now that are yeses, at least on medical marijuana, are a lot like me. So, mm -hmm. so you've got probably 30% that would have voted yes no matter what. But the other, you know, whatever it is now, are people that are one over no's. And you can't yeah. convince a one over no with all the old rhetoric and, and patter. But interestingly, to your point, it, in the 30s, you had, you know, hemp being juiced as a medical product. And you have many, you know, you can go back and look at it. There's so many medical products that, you know, were kind of juiced hemp. But people were getting healthy, really healthy. You had uh, hemp being used as paper. So it's a really a better, you know, paper material mm -hmm. than, than wood is. You had hemp being used in buildings as hempcrete. You had hemp being used as a biofuel. Again, the first, uh, I, not many people know this, but Henry Ford, the first car ran on hemp sure. fuel. Um, so you had hemp that basically. George Washington grew hemp. We absolutely. Know, know. Thomas Jefferson yes, grew right. hemp. So you had hemp, though, that threatened. It, just think of the industries that threatened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it threatened paper. It threatened wood. It threatened pharma. It threatened oil. Yeah. So it had to be dealt with, and it was, you know, in the late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. Interestingly, most people think that uh, cannabis wasn't really well characterized, and it was very well characterized in the 40s. A guy named Roger Adams discovered THC, discovered CBD, completely mapped out. Even things like CBG, CBN, these, you know, ancillary kind of smaller cannabinoids were all mapped out in the 40s and just wow. buried. Oh, you know? no. That's, yeah. So now we're just now having to dig that stuff up. Yep. And all the stuff we could have been doing for the past 70 years yep. with this product and, and making us better. Yeah. Unfortunately, they it's really hard for a plant to go up against big businesses. Yeah. Because <laughs> they can't. Yeah. Um, I mean, they don't have as much of a backing. Um, and, and as much of, as big a lobbyist for a plant as you do for, you know, big oil and, and big pharma. Yeah. But, but, you know, I think it's really, I think what we've done here in Oklahoma is kind of indicative of our, of our times. And I really do think we're living in a time 
where people are becoming empowered. Mm -hmm. You know, we're learning to discern. We're not listening to what big business says anymore or the man says anymore. We're going and finding our own answers. And I think that's very important for us. I think it's an evolutionary step, frankly. You know, yeah, it's part of it's the democratization of the internet so you can actually find all this Exactly, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and I just think it's wonderful that, that we're finally, we are on the, on the very edge of this. And when I've heard that, for example, that uh, they're trying to, get hemp re-legalized that they're trying to which i'm like why, why is it not in the first place clothes fuel food there are so many things that hemp can do for you yep and and it was oh but it gets you high well <laughs> but look at all the other and you don't need the thc in it you can take that out there's uh yeah I've, I've been a big proponent of hemp for uh for 40 years because I've, I've known what it could do, what the power of it is. And, and yet only recently have people started to realize, oh, this is something we shouldn't have thrown, thrown out of our, 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 uh, our economic system. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And, and the other thing, though, kind of the flip side of the coin. So that's, you know, we need to, we need to get all this information out. But at the same time, and we kind of need to understand how, you know, big business has manipulated us, frankly, mm -hmm. for a long time. But on the flip side of that, we also need to do this responsibly. And um, if you look at CBDs, you know, the CBD industry in general, it, it, you know, how many major CBD companies are, you know, FDA inspectable? Um, not many, because right. I know this industry pretty well, right? It, a lot of them are still, you know, wooden spoons and paddles. There's a big CBD retailer here in Oklahoma that has gone above and beyond to be GMP and really improve their quality and, and all that. Um, you know, so some of them are, um, but a lot of them aren't. So, so they're just beginning to, to realize this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, this is we need to professionalize this industry. It, you know, every medical patient really in Oklahoma, at least, should be understanding that my, you know, flower was grown in a USDA inspectable state, you know, ag inspected facility. Um, it was processed in a, you know, health department, you know, inspected FDA type facility, and it was made into my gummy and the same yeah. type thing, right? So we should expect that as consumers, and we should want that as consumers. But right now in the cannabis industry, that's not really there. So you have, you know, our state is regulating kind of at a high level here, but nothing to that level of detail. And you have federal that, you know, FDA, they can't figure out what they're going to do. So, right. so it's really this kind of... Uh, we're in kind of a danger zone for consumers right now that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, and that, and that can backfire. If you start having uh, people who start to get sick, then they'll start yeah. blaming the product. And uh, that might not be the case. It might actually be an unhealthy environment where, they're, where, the, where it's made. And you just don't know that. And the only way to know that is to have something like an FDA, a CDC, that, that, that monitors that this. And, but, yep. but unfortunately, in the federal government's eyes, marijuana is illegal. Yep. So it doesn't matter what you do, you shouldn't be selling it anyway, according to the federal government's eyes. And that's, which I don't know, I haven't understand why that hasn't changed, because you have a majority of states now with some kind of legal marijuana. Well, and you have the, uh, and a lot of people don't, you know, know all the nuances of these laws, because a lot's changed so much. But, but right at the end of last year, you had something called the Farm Bill, mm -hmm. and the Farm Bill had hemp provisions in it. And those provisions basically left it to states to do their own regulating, but it pretty much made hemp legal, mm -hmm. you know, nationally, but states are still left to do their regulatory. So right now you could be kind of doing the whole gig here in Oklahoma and you're not regulated, right? So it, we need to put in, you know, the additional level of regulation. Now, there's some legislation that uh, I think Senator Paxton's uh, introduced that would uh, do that, that we have, you know, at the state house right now right. that we're kind of tracking. So we do have some efforts in Oklahoma 
to fix this, um, and we should. You know, we should. I was I was actually pretty amazed uh, at our lawmakers that I know there were a few that tried to uh, undo State Question 788, but many of them said, well, you know what, if that's going to be this, the law of the land, then let's just sit down and figure out how to make this thing work. Um, and I was actually pretty surprised by that, uh, the, the, the fact that they went, okay, if this is how the people voted, then let's do that. And granted, you had your outliers, but you know, but that's not what's made it through. What's made it through, it seems like, is, is the ability to regulate this industry. Yeah, it, it's been really, this experience has been really cool. And, and it, you know, if you look at kind of how this has gone, it's, it's, it's neat. You know, we passed the law on June 26th, but we knew, oh, two weeks before that the governor was going to try to call a special session. And she was, again, I wrote two things in the law. I wrote a 30-day timer and a 60-day timer that have turned out to be, you know, quite relevant and important because that's how we've gotten the law rolled out faster than any other state, right? No right. other oh, states yeah. rolled it out as quick as we have. But anyway, it so that they, she wanted, well, rumor was that our governor then wanted to change those dates to basically push the program out and delay it, kind of mm -hmm. like what's happened in Arkansas. So she was going to call a special session and allow a special session. And the, the only thing that they, they were going to go, oh, we, we can't regulate this. We don't have, don't have any regulations. We'll have to go write them. So we'll have to delay everything and yeah. all that. So anyway, we got to get, this was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. We got a, th we had a thousand people participating in a, about a hundred people on site and 900 people, you know, Facebook redlining session where we built a set of regulations and sent them to John mm -hmm. Eccles two days after the election. John, here's our regulations. Uh, we'd certainly like you to consider them in a special election, <laughs> special session. And so they canceled the special session, which is interesting. But anyway, it, we've had a real friend in John Eccles, I would mm -hmm. say. Representative John Eccles has, um, I don't think that we could have gotten as far as we have without someone being a real champion for us at the state house. And that's and that's John. Yeah, so. especially among the majority party, which you, you need yeah. you need that as well. You need someone who's going to be on. Okay, this this is the 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 party that's in, in in power. You know, how can we make sure that they we are and and Eccles is a a, a major member of the Republican Party, not even an outlier. He right. is really uh, floor, he's floor, floor leader, floor leader yeah, majority so floor he, leader. He's pretty much second in command. Yeah. you know, party wise of the of the House, and then also Senator McCourtney. I mean, it, I think Senator McCourtney's a reluctant, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of participant here but can i can i share my story with senator mccourty i Absolutely. was listening into it he was in a I, um i was there's another bill that i was waiting for him to carry and i was listening to him on the senate um just recording because i was going to hear his thoughts on, on another bill but he comes up and he says uh, i'm 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 sorry i haven't had much chance to to think of this bill because i've been too busy on marijuana on working on bills on marijuana <laughs> <laughs> He, really says, he said, I haven't been doing marijuana. I've been working on bills of marijuana. Yeah, well, Courtney's been a I mean, huge, huge deal on, on getting a lot of these bills. Through. Yeah, I think he, you know, just if you look at where he was, you know, he, he admitted, I mean, he was a no on it, you know, mm -hmm. and so he kind of came to this reluctantly. But I think over time, he's educated himself and he understands he at least understands whether he doesn't understand the value for himself. I think he understands that Oklahomans want this and they want this in a certain way. And he's honored that, you know, all of them did. Yeah. What passed 2612 and what Governor Stitt signed. The unity and, bill. Yeah, the unity bill was what we worked on. You know, it, mm -hmm. so the way this has gone, we had basically we canceled the kind of special session, hopefully, you know, through our actions. But we're pretty sure that's what happened. But then we went to the Department of Health to make emergency rules. Mm -hmm. So they did their deal and did their screw up, you know, July yeah, 10th had to go with back the and pharmacist it, yes, and then yes. the attorney general. 
But, you know, after that point, I think all the lawmakers really wanted to kind of get this right. And no mm-hmm. one actually wanted to mess with the law because we have the attorney well, general. And order. actually, I think that, that that issue with the Department of Health, if th- that hadn't happened, that kind of woke oh. all, all the elected officials up to, oh, what happens? What's the backlash if we try to derail we, this thing? We, again, if we were sitting at a 57 percent support level on June 26th, on July 10th, we were sitting at about a 75 yeah. percent support yeah, because level. people realized that, OK, well, then if this is going to be the, the way it's going to work, then this, you know, and I actually I thought the only reason I really thought it might pass was because uh, the, the the generations of people who have grown up with marijuana of some some form or another. I mean, basically, you've now got your baby boomers who are your retired elderly. They're the, they're the, they're the ones who like, yeah, we smoked when we were, you know, it's yeah. not, it didn't kill us. We were fine, you know? Um, so I figured that that was, that was probably the reason you've got a bunch of Oklahomans, generations of Oklahomans who have lived with marijuana and know that it's not going to kill you. Yeah. And I think that's why you probably got 57% of people. And you know what? That's not going to, and other States have done it too. I think if we were the first state, it might've been a problem, uh, yeah, but I'm other just, States have done uh, it and they've, they've, Colorado right now is rolling in the money is, is with the recreational and, and medical marijuana. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, from my perspective, I mean, it's patient driven, right? But yeah. if you look at, you know, the patients that have been able to get relief, even in California's, you know, veiled kind of rec program that, that it was over the years, you still had a lot of patients that were able to uh, get relief. And so that's the that's the cool thing here is, uh, you know, and um, to have, you know, we'll hit 100,000 patients this month. It's just, that's just staggering. It, it's amazing how Oklahomans are embracing really this program. And so. really with this, with Canacon, that's an ability for businesses to kind of learn from other businesses to how to do it right. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it also, so does Oklahoma register on a national, you know, cannabis company's radar? No, <laughs> not at all. But I promise you we do when we hit 100,000 patients. Or, you know, the way that we've rolled this, I'll just put it to, I know this because yeah. we get calls from these sure. companies. So it major, major, you know, cannabis companies are like, you know, yeah, we'll look at Oklahoma in two or three years. They're like, uh, we want to look at Oklahoma right now, mm-hmm. right now. Because so, we didn't delay. Right. We, we jumped didn't. right into it. We jumped right in the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. And so does that, and should that threaten anyone? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, big companies coming in just help with, you know, more mature products and, you know, better quality and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't, that's not going to push any mom and pops out or anything like that. It, this, our market is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, we're going to have the biggest medical market potentially in the country. You know, it's just, just we've rolled out faster than Florida, you know, Colorado, Nevada, Arizona, California, Illinois, Ohio, New York, all of them, mm-hmm. not by population. Yeah. Oh, and it's the fact that it was less than a year ago that we voted on this and I'm driving down the streets and I'm seeing, you know, marijuana sold here. I'm like, like yeah. I'm in Oklahoma. Wait a minute. I am in Oklahoma still, right? <laughs> now, the thing that, you know, and the thing that kind of, you know, I hope that everyone respects the medical aspects of right. this. And, you know, you see a lot of dispensary names and things like that are, that don't look to me very medical. Um, you know, you see things like buses and things like that, you know, that have weird names and it just, you know, that, that's not what this movement, so to speak was about. I mean, those are outlying people that are Mm -hmm. kind of trying to, you know, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's not a wreck, you know, we're not a wreck market. We're not an adult use market. This should be a medical exercise. People should advertise that way. You know, commercial license holders should behave that way. You hear me, all you commercial license holders? So, and, and again, treat it like a real business. Yeah, exactly. It, it's funny. It, if you look at what the Department of Health did when they when they rolled this out. So, so again, they got beat back on this July 10th letter. And mm-hmm. then they did. Not, we had a we sat with them on Friday 
before they did the final rules. So this was, they did the final rules on a Wednesday. So this is the Friday before. There was 10 of us, I was author of the law, right? So I was in there and 10 activists that sat and did a red line with Oklahoma State Department of Health. We came up with a 58 page regulatory that was basically the unity bill. Yeah. And they ditched it oh, for this 20 yeah, page right, thing right. that they rolled out with no laboratory testing. So point of point of me bringing that up is that, it, again, it appears that, you know, we were set up to fail. OK, so we were set up to fail because there was no laboratory testing. Mm -hmm. There was no testing for pesticides. If you had an outdoor grow, you didn't have to secure it. Oh. Um, no, that's right. You know, there's these rules. really nothing from stop. If you're a dispensary owner from, you know, bringing stuff in from out of state, if you had some black market way to do it. So we, Oklahoma's mm -hmm. for Health, I made a lot of phone calls. Uh, I think you got some California flour in your dispensary. Uh, you need to stop. Right. Mm -hmm. So so we've had to regulate our own industry. But but now with 2612, I mean, right. that's going to help a lot. So, so now but the depart our Department of Health, our bastions of mm -hmm. consumer protection and safety uh, really tried to set us up to uh, fail with yeah. health issues. Right. Laboratory testing issues and things like that. And, it you know, that's obvious, I think, to everyone at this point. So, so you've had to regulate yourself. And that's, I mean, you can do it, but it's it's easier if you've got an overseer, basically, which is what the Department of Health is supposed to be in the first yeah, place. Yeah. It, it, you know, my wife and I had a home care company. We took care of the elderly in Tulsa, and that's an Oklahoma State Department of Health regulated venture. Right. So every year I, I had to have a, you know, home care administrator's license. I had to get training. I had to keep that training up. You know, I had to show a certain, you know, certification professionalism. You know, we would be inspected in our facility once a year where they come in and look at our records and make sure that we were doing everything right and, you know, take, providing proper patient care yeah. and had the proper staff and all that. So it that's the way it is in every other industry. So it's going to be that way in the cannabis industry. Absolutely. But it, we need to develop some maturity. You know, it just we just don't have the regulatory yet, right so so you're going to be at canacon this uh it's thursday and friday and uh, what are you going to be i know you've got a booth there i guess is yeah it, i saw you were one of the, the the people that had a booth yep so, so i'm speaking i'm speaking mm -hmm. tomorrow i think at one two at two two o'clock <laughs> yeah and, and then one thirty. Well, he's got to talk okay. to your schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we we're there as new pharma. So so we have a company. This this is a good geek story. I'll tell you. So, yeah. so a good quick geek story. But our company is called GNU Pharma. So new, new pharma. pharma. But I'm an old kind of uh, hate to say I'm an old anonymous guy because I'm not an old anonymous guy. But let's just say I was been in the computers for a long time, mm -hmm. a mathematician, right? So. Back in the 90s, there was a movement called the GNU movement that was started really to open source Microsoft, right? So, so Microsoft was charging all this money for their software. Well, the new movement built Linux, Firefox, OpenOffice, you know, a lot of the tools that you see that are kind of free on the internet came yeah. out of this movement. But the whole thinking behind the new movement was we can open source Microsoft. I mean, yeah. we have the ability to do this and the knowledge to do this. We'll, you know, do it and we'll do it for free. So when I discovered what I discovered about natural products and plants and how they can manipulate the endocannabinoid system and its power, I knew that our company could open source pharma. Yeah. And so we called it New Pharma. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's a backdoor so. back to, to not having to go through. Again, the, and, uh, the opioid crisis was, well, I think, the other thing that helped yep. 788 pass. I think people were going, you know what? There's an alternative out there and I don't have to, uh, you know, if... if 
I, I don't take any opioids, but I fear that if this gets worse, what about my children? What yep. about my grandchildren? And we've got to do something about that. Um, and finally, I think we are thinking out of other ways than just taking Oxycontin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it, 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 there's, you know, there's strategies at addiction that can be, and I hate to sort of toot our own horn, but, but it, you know, my wife challenged me, you know, so much about the endocannabinoid system, build a uh, herbal nicotine replacement, something mm -hmm. that somebody can vape and, and not go through nicotine withdrawal. Well, we did that. I mean, we got that. So it's, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, if somebody wants to license it, we're more than happy to license it. But we don't really sell product. You know, we're more licensed technologies. But, but we have that. But the point of that is, again, I used a strategy, an endocannabinoid strategy, to meet an addiction need. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, so can that be done in the opiate channel as easily as it can be done in sure. the nicotine channel? Absolutely. Anything you're addicted to, yeah. It, it, we have these discussions with uh, our science advisor is, again, PharmD, PhD at University of, of Mississippi. And um, he, interestingly, is uh, the principally funded NIH researcher at addiction. He oh, has wow. the second biggest lab at University of Mississippi. So... It, you can rest assured that these strategies are coming, uh, but they may come, you know, out of his lab. So that's yeah. fantastic. Where can people find out more about you and, and, and your group and, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, newpharma.com. So G-N-U-P-H-A-R-M-A.com is our company. And then Oklahomans for Health. So just Oklahomans for Health, all spelled out, dot com or Oklahomans for Health uh, on Facebook. And, and both companies are on Facebook. Also on Twitter, too. And right? we're Oklahomans on Twitter. for Health as well, so yep, you can yep, get there. Yep. And, and just because there's always information that you guys are going to have. And uh, for people who, if you guys got also information on people who, who need to get a medical marijuana card, how they, oh, yeah. how they get that and all that kind of information, because... That's also important. Again, if, you know, we're very active on Facebook. I mean, that appears to be the way that most people want to talk to us, although we do have a website. But if anybody has questions or anything, it just hit us up on Facebook. And we do that every day. I'm answering Facebook questions for Oklahomans for Health, as is Shelly, as is Cynthia. So, yep. Awesome. Awesome. Chip, thank you so very much for stopping in. Oh, thank you, Michael. <laughs> that was yeah, awesome. This is awesome. So that's going to do it for our show. You can find us on our brand new home with our podcast friends at MostlyHarmless.media. Also on Twitter and Facebook at Okie Geek Podcast. That's also the address for our Gmail account. We'd love to hear from you. And do you or someone you know have an event coming up? Please let us know so we can talk about it on our show. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Be sure and subscribe, rate us, and leave a comment. You can find me on the web at KOSU Michael C. Until next time, along with Chip Paul, I'm Michael Cross, reminding you to keep calm and geek on. <laughs>